3: Good afternoon and welcome to One Life Left vs. Sutra. We are a game radio show. We're going to be talking about video games. We are live from the Game Developers Conference. My name is Steve Curran. I'm Simon Byron and Anne Scantlebury. No,
4: wait, okay. I'm Anne Scantlebury. Anne's back, hello. Hello.
3: Uh, Anne was doing her producer job, yeah. sorting out another guest for this brilliant show. Who's representing Gama Sutra today?
5: Christian Draft. Editor in chief
6: of Sutra. I used my, my, my full name there. Welcome back, Chris.
5: Thanks. Thanks for having me back.
6: So you uh, so you left mid show uh, yesterday. I did. Was yeah. it worth
5: it? Um, wait, I did what? You 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 left
6: your broadcasting responsibilities and you went to the Shenmu.
5: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you that's you remember right. that? I mean, we yeah. remember
6: that because we had to write it in a book.
5: Yeah, yeah. It was No, it, it was so good, seriously. Um, um, Yu Suzuki was showing slides and concept art from uh, the making of Shenmue that has never been seen. He's just a, a, an affable guy, and he got a lot of support from the audience. Uh, everyone was excited. Of course, you know, the first question from the Q&A session was, when is Shenmue
6: 3 coming out? And what was the answer from the first question? April,
7: Is it? 2014. <laughs> wow! <laughs> round of applause
3: from So was that the highlight of GDC? Is that it now? Are we closing out the conference?
5: I, I, think, well, I think the highlight of GDC might have been me hitting Carl Jr.'s across from my hotel at 5 in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it was definitely Yu Suzuki for me. Um, that was great. Yeah.
3: Uh, what can we look forward to over the next few days of the conference?
5: Oh, geez, I don't have my schedule in front
8: of me right now.
3: Just calling um, you out.
5: Yeah, and I'll tell you what I did get back from just now is the uh, game developers' uh, rant session.
6: I was there. I had to leave that early to come and set up this. Yeah, yeah. It was it was excellent, entertaining.
5: Well, yeah, um, well, we had Brenda M- Romero on the show earlier. She was talking about her slides. I got to see the slides that you were Whoa. talking about, the uh, very um, straightforward yeah. slides <laughs> that she had. Yeah. Um, it was excellent. I mean, uh, it, it, it is getting a little bit more like people are kind of not as mad, I think, anymore. Maybe, maybe everything's okay now. Yeah, there was um... Brenda. Brenda wasn't happy. Right. She was. She was still mad. Um, Very, um, you know, understandably so. Like, there's some some gross stuff that happens that she uh, was addressing. I'm glad that she's addressing certain things about, um, you know, uh, like, basically, just straight-up sexual harassment happening. Um, And uh, she basically, in in so many words, said, uh, like, knock it off. And, uh, yeah, nobody wants that.
6: So, um, Eric, at the start, ran through, uh, because this is the 10th anniversary of the rant session, uh, ran through a... Uh, a list of uh things that were ranted about in 2005 and compared them to how we are these days and it, it did look like statistically we've made it we've made some improvements
5: yeah yeah from a statistical standpoint um completely objective uh scientific even yeah. um we're better off and we have maybe two things to complain about now um i don't know
6: well if we can get if we can deal with those this year what where will the rant session be next year um, just be a big love-in. Yeah, it'll be the, like a love-in <laughs> <But,
3: but>, session. <laughs> Maybe it'll be rants about how there are no rants anymore. <laughs> Anne, how has, the, uh, how has the guest situation been going?
4: The guest situation has been going very well, and we are very lucky to have one high-caliber guest and uh, one <laughs> less high-caliber guest. Uh, high-caliber guest, uh, Ian, please introduce yourself to our listeners.
1: My name's Ian Livingston. I'm a user research project manager. At Ubisoft Montreal. How often do people confuse you with Ian Livingstone? Uh, it's happened once. And in fact, I can see the guy from here who actually made that mistake. <laughs>
3: oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and he's still alive. He's still alive.
1: It was, it was kind of surreal for me, actually, because I didn't realize that he had mistaken me for, for Ian Livingstone at the time. So,
5: Ian Livingstone is actually the former life president of IDOS. That's right, <laughs> I, but he still he lives. <laughs> he's a ghost or something.
1: There's there's actually a few famous Ian Livingstones, and I, I've been confused for for them before. the 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 CEO of, of British Telecom is also Ian Livingstone. So
5: you have a like a, a name with authority. Must, that must must be uh,
1: what, what e, the Ian Livingstone thinks about, right? It is a powerful name. Yeah, I I I, I enjoy it.
4: Uh, so, Ian, what have you been doing this GDC? What are you here for?
1: Uh, I've been here for, for a number of things. I actually spoke this morning. Uh, I gave a, a presentation on, on the user research work that we do at Ubisoft Montreal. Uh, but I've actually I've had the opportunity to see some very interesting uh, presentations.
4: Uh, what's the most interesting presentation that you've seen?
1: Oh, yeah, I don't know. Um,
4: or, or maybe the funniest well, uh, maybe the okay, most the,
6: boring, no, no, the no, lamest. Just, just, uh, no, just, no, just name okay. one thing you've seen. <laughs> just one thing.
1: <laughs> it all it all flew out of my head as soon as I as soon as I gave my talk. Everything everything I forgot everything else. But so, no, no, the, the, the most interesting talk I saw was um, from a, a researcher in Microsoft who gave a talk about uh, evaluating narrative in, in in games, and that was really really fascinating. Because I mean, doing research on narrative is is not an easy thing to do. It's it's very subjective. Uh, so, anytime somebody is able to to objectify or measure something objectively, uh, that's very subjective is always very fascinating to me.
6: So, tell us about the work that you uh, do and
1: what you've been and what you were speaking about this morning. Um, so, this morning I was talking about the work I did on Far Cry Three and Far Cry Three: Blood Dragon. And um, what I do day to day is I actually sort of do a lot of um, user evaluation and user testing, and I. I my my role is really to to bring people into a lab and and have them play the game in, in various uh, various settings and then evaluate uh, what they think and, and uh, you know how we can how we can ensure that the, the game is really as, as fun as possible. I mean at Ubisoft we, we really try to, to ensure that our players are having a great a great time with our games. Um, and that's something that we, we really strive to do in the lab is to to, to see what's what's blocking blocking that fun.
5: That, that sounds well and good, but it also sounds like Ubisoft is conducting human experiments.
1: <laughs> do, these, uh, do these tests involve sensors? Uh, some of them do, yeah. Some of them do. One of the, the tools that we actually make a lot of use of is uh, an eye tracker. Um, we use this for sort of HUD evaluation. Uh, or, or menus as well, that's something that's always very useful to do you can actually see exactly where players are, are looking and that's always very fascinating
6: So how, is your, how have the uh, results of your research uh, shaped what you've been doing then? Can you give us any specific examples of stuff that you've discovered and, and changed? Uh,
1: no I can, I can give some examples of, of from stuff I we did today um, I can't really talk about any of the, the biometric stuff that, that we've done but um, I can talk about how some of the user research is, has really sort of impacted the, the overall experience for, for players. For example, uh, one, of the, one of the things I talked about this morning was how uh, originally the guns in, in Far Cry 3 were actually not free. You had to, you had to purchase the guns. Um, and we actually made that change um, to make the guns free as, as players progressed through the open world. As a as a way to sort of encourage them into trying all the different weapons that were available, that was something that we really intended players to do, and and we knew that it would be um, a lot more fun when, when they were when they were doing that. So we made that change in order to to help them um, experience more of the game.
3: Anne, you mentioned that we had two guests on the show, but we've only heard one voice.
4: Yeah, haven't we? Um, go on then. <laughs>
9: How uh, dare who you? Are you? How dare you? Uh,
4: we should probably say uh, Leo Tan is a wonderful friend of the show, um, and that's why we can be so mean to him. Uh, Leo, what are you doing here?
9: Uh, I'm here to on a top secret Infinite Crisis mission and to tell everybody what my threes high score is. <laughs> uh, and? I've successfully told everybody my three size three size score so far, and I'm winning. So
6: okay, DDC, well, uh, we, we could get you thrown off thrown out of the show, couldn't we? You
9: could, but right my, now. my score would survive. Before you,
6: you do that, we wouldn't know it, so therefore it wouldn't exist. <laughs>
9: um, so yeah, uh, I'm actually, sorry, I'm blown away by everything I just heard uh, from Ian. The I've just finished uh, Assassin's Creed 4 and I thought it was one of the greatest games of all time and I didn't realise that I had basically been manipulated.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love that game. You're not manipulated. It's... We don't do manipulation, we just, we're in the business of fun.
9: Um, I was just, I would be sailing over the seas, uh, thinking that it was just a joyous experience, but now I know it's just science, uh, they were probably injecting me through the controller with some kind of pheromone or hormone, It was uh, but uh, I guess I will, uh, I'll put sequel. So what is your three score? Uh, it's currently 69,000 and something, I think. That's ridiculous. It is, isn't it? Is that more than it, my 9,000? It's uh, it's a little more. Okay. But it's basically probably just one combined more right. than your score because so, of the so exponential what, what, way it rises.
6: I mean, I've seen some of these 60,000-odd scores and I've just sort of shaken my head at them. Mm-hmm.
9: Um, what's the secret to your success? Um, I play a lot of games. Uh, I go really fast in the beginning because I know that there's a, just a huge element of luck. So I have a, a, I run corners until I get a 300 or so uh, then I run bottom edge, uh, and then I just keep my board tidy, and then luck means I'll get a high score. Is right. is that, is
6: that, that doesn't sound like fun. Uh, I,
9: don't, <laughs> I don't think you fully understand the purpose of threes. Okay. <laughs> the purpose of threes is for me to come to GDC and then just muscle everybody around.
6: Right, so you haven't met anybody yet that's got a better score.
9: John Hicks got very close. Uh, I, he beat my score a couple of days ago. I flew into a rage <laughs> internally and then didn't stop playing until I'd beaten him, uh, and now I just check my high score every three or four minutes. So uh, you you mentioned you were over on an Infinite Crisis mission. Are you allowed to talk about that? I am not. No? I'm not allowed to talk about that. Actually, I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about that, but just in case, let's say no.
3: Infinite Crisis is the most stressful game name ever.
9: (laughs) It's, uh, It's a MOBA, so it's pretty stressful to play, I think, in general. Any kind of pvp experience is more stressful than uh sailing along the seas when you've been manipulated by science it, it,
5: it, it's infinite crisis it sounds like maybe a simulation where you're just trying to make rent every month
9: <laughs> <laughs> we i think that's essentially how we feel in the office <laughs> um you know we <laughs> we um it's our it's our big new game so we've got high hopes for it and essentially it is that monthly struggle for the equivalent of gaming rent which is just users And have you you had time to enjoy the show? Uh, This is my first time at GDC. Uh, Coming to join you on this stage is my first time inside the building on this trip. Uh, So, uh, yes, 100% win ratio so far. (laughs) Uh, But I haven't seen any talks, so I can't give you any comment on that, sorry.
3: back to One Life Left vs. Sutra live from the North Hall. We're at the foot of the escalators right below the escalators. If we look up we can see people slowly coming down towards us. What I like is they can't stop coming towards us. See, normally when people make eye contact with us they turn in the other direction. They're on an escalator. Yeah. It's not possible.
5: And um, notice that they are all um, coming down towards us. Yeah, I mean,
6: they're they're, decoding, to they're, they're descending. Yeah. Down
3: to I mean, they level. are literally looking down on us, which is a, which is another experience we're kind of used to. Yeah. Really.
6: Actually, I like uh, I like looking at their faces, and then you can see them scanning, like, oh, that looks interesting. Who's that? Oh, it's just some people. <laughs> <laughs> Max, it's, it's 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 no one I know.
4: Until of course they see our wonderful guests, yes. and then they're like, ding ding, um, evidently they've got some good people on there. Um, should we say hello to our new guests? Yes. Good segue. Yeah? We got two more. Hi guys, uh, would you like to take turns to introduce yourselves?
10: Oh, hey, I'm Andrew Andreas from uh, Spaces of Play. Uh, we make a video game called Future Unfolding.
11: Hi, and I'm uh, Jason Gregory. I'm one of the lead programmers on The Last of Us over at Naughty Dog. Excellent.
6: I'm, I've yet to play The Last of Us. Uh, but so
3: no spoilers.
11: Yeah,
6: no spoilers.
11: Um, <laughs> All right.
6: I mean, I, 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 I sort of figured that I'd got i have got to this point in my life without having it spoiled to me, but then you released some DLC, and then people were talking about it again, and I found it found it very difficult.
11: I know we we make your life so difficult. It's, it's hard. <laughs>
6: no, I am I am very much looking, but I what I need to do is just
11: clear clear some time to enjoy it. So yeah, yeah. Well, so I, so I shouldn't mention the part where Joel goes to space. Is that right? <laughs> Who the hell is Joel? Oh, sorry. Oh, <laughs> damn it. Sorry about that.
6: Uh, so how, how's it going? What are you what, what, what are you up to over here?
11: Oh, it's going pretty good. Uh, I just, uh, this morning, gave a talk, actually, on our uh, dialogue system, character dialogue system, Um, and uh, now I'm just sort of hanging out and checking some things out, meeting up with some people, and then I have to actually catch a plane at about 8 o'clock, 8.30 tonight, so yay.
5: Um, Naughty Dog had a uh, pretty good night last night. Yeah, we were super excited. Yeah, um, the uh, Game Developers uh, Choice Awards, um,
11: they they were uh, up there quite a bit. So what yeah, did, was, so what did you win? Cool. What did we win? So uh, we got a uh, best, best narrative uh, story and uh, game design, which was awesome. Our, nice shout-out to our game designers uh, doing all that incredibly hard work and awesome work. Uh, and Game of the Year. So whoo, Excellent. Super cool. Who were you up against? Oh, my gosh. Um, I'm trying to think. For Game of the Year... I'm uh, pretty sure GTA 5 was up there. Ah, you uh, faced GTA. Oh man, we always do. Um, I'm trying to remember what the whole list was right now, but there are some really great games up there. So we feel particularly honored to uh, to have uh, pulled off the win.
6: It was a great, um, a great night for papers, please, as well, wasn't it? It <coughs> cleared up, didn't it? And deservedly so, I felt.
11: Absolutely, absolutely. And you know what, Lucas Pope. I mean, he actually used to work over at Naughty Dog, and we all love the guy. He's uh, super talented, and uh, we just feel uh, just such pride for him. So it was awesome. Excellent.
4: Uh, and so, uh, Andreas, uh, h- how are you doing? What are you here doing?
10: Uh, yeah, I'm doing great. Uh, I just just running the expo today. Uh, I just looked at a game called uh, Night in the Woods, which I which I backed, which looks really beautiful. It's at the Uli booth. You should check it out. Uh, we were showing our game to a few people like the last few days, like at some uh, private events, So we're not on the expo floor. But uh, yeah, we should like the first. The first time we're showing it to like a broader amount of people and people do like it.
3: Can you tell us a little bit about your game? Oh yeah
10: sure, sorry. Um, so it's like a, a 2d action exploration game where you get thrown into a mystical forest and you have to find patterns in the world and you have to sort of uh, find your way around and we are not trying to tell the player anything what they should do so there's no tutorials there's no do this do that like basically everything you have to figure out yourself. And we use, like, a specific art style that's sort of uh, inspired by Impressionists. Um, so, yeah, that's basically it. What's it called? It's called Future Unfolding.
3: See, this sounds like exactly the opposite game to Infinite Crisis, yeah. which is the most stressful <laughs> yeah. thing. This sounds really gentle, relaxing.
10: Is there such a game as Infinite Crisis? Yes.
3: Yeah, I've just been, you know, thinking about it the last few minutes and feel nervous just oh, yeah. by the name. Like, so many crises Is it is Is that time. a new Crisis game? Um, no, it's it's, uh, it's by... Turbine. Uh, yeah,
6: by turbine. It's okay. A, it's, a, it's, a, it's, right. a, it's a DC mobile. Um, so you said you've been showing it off. So, so, so what are you doing at GDC? Who are you showing it off to, and what you know? What are you? What are you right. to achieve? Right. So
10: basically, I think this is our fifth GDC um, we attend. Uh, so we basically have some contacts, and we there's like some part. Like every well, night there's like, a party. Like um, there was like a party from Humble Bundle uh, on Monday, I think. It's it's so
6: full of Indies, apparently. Yeah.
10: Actually. So I mean, yeah, like all the Indies sort of like everyone knows other, and you sort of meet up um, meet old friends make new friends and so, you, yeah. so you're
6: literally
4: just here to party <laughs> that, that's I, I, what I'm hearing
10: <laughs> I I actually just recently became, became a dad and I sort of the party seems like the most it's like the most it feels like the most work now like I, <laughs> I, I I want to I'm always like we are free guys so I want I'm always the guy who wants to go home first um, have to wait because we share a cab and so on and we have I have like a really cheap hotel that's like outside. So so outside. You're the party pooper. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Welcome to being a dad. Yeah, it's it's fun
11: though. I I, I recommend it.
4: Uh, so Jason, have you been uh, partying? Have you been having a lovely time here as well?
11: Uh I wish I'd had time to party, but I uh, I just sort of zipped in. I'm doing my talk this morning and then zipping out later. So kind of sucks actually. I got in after the award ceremony uh, last night, so I couldn't even couldn't even <laughs> check that. out. It really sucked, but. Ah, uh, tight, tight schedule. We're working hard at Naughty Dog on our next big thing. So yeah. So, <laughs> so
6: can you just remind us of your, what the the name of your next big thing?
11: Oh yeah, it's that it's uh, that old game. What's it called again? <laughs> oh yeah, Uncharted. That's right, <laughs> for PS4. Yeah, Excellent. it's gonna be cool. Excellent. Um, when can we expect
6: to see some more on that?
11: Uh, well, I can't really tell you okay. right now. But uh, we're we're working uh, we're working uh, on a lot of cool stuff, and I, I think we'll be revealing more
3: uh, pretty soon. Can you um, can you tell us what the dominant color is in Uncharted Four?
11: <laughs> well, every level has its own dominant color, doesn't it? So so, so it's it's
3: a full rate It's a rainbow color.
11: It, it is. It's we try to yeah we try to be uh, you know give every color its fair chance.
3: There we go. One life left. Exclusive. Thanks very much, guys.
7: Cheers.
4: Here we are back again on the uh, floor at GDC 2014. Uh, this is One Life Left, still versus Gamasutra, still winning.
3: In front of us, men and women mill around a conference centre. Anne's mouthing words at them. Just saying hello. Oh, right, OK. I thought it was more romantic <laughs> than that.
4: I just think it's polite. Well, hello can be
3: romantic, I suppose. It really can. I don't know. We're, we're having a very, very nice time. Had brilliant guests on the show so far, and that looks set... Fair to continue, doesn't it, Chris Graft?
5: Oh, yeah, it does. So, we call this One Life Left versus Gamma Suture, right? We do. And, and then, uh, and, and then just you said are... that, that you are winning, that yeah, one yeah. life
6: left. Well, that's is because winning? yesterday yeah, yeah. you had it's a
3: okay. sandwich and left halfway yeah. through. <laughs>
6: so, as you should have known, that yesterday was when we judged who was winning and you and you weren't here. So... But, it's,
3: but it's three
5: versus one. Anyway, we'll settle this later. <laughs> Physically. <laughs>
6: Great, and it's not just Chris Graff that we're joined with. Hello, uh, two fine guests, uh, one we may have heard from before. Uh, Hello, could you introduce yourselves?
12: Uh, My name is Kenneth Young. Uh, I'm the technical director at Cappy Games from Toronto. Hello, Kenneth. How are you
6: doing? Uh, I'm doing good.
12: Good? Um, Yeah, we're here to show off uh, the game that we're about to release called Super Time Force, so we're super excited. Excellent. And who are you, jo- you joined by? Uh,
13: hi, I'm Matt Woodward. I'm a senior game designer at CCB Games in Iceland. Hello, Matt. How's Matt, it going?
3: we've already hi. talked to you. You're back. Yeah, I'm not quite sure how this happened. Haven't you learnt your lesson? Uh, I think I wanted some more. I'll tell you why you're back. You're back to make sure that One Life Live gets invited to FanFest.
13: Yes.
6: Do you remember that we agreed to that on Monday, and then we signed the contracts and.
3: Yep.
13: Uh-huh, uh-huh. You're I just totally going to confirm have that the details. Piece of paper in a scrap of paper in my pocket somewhere.
3: Thank you so much for, for coming back to confirm that. We're very very <laughs> exactly, excited. Right. That totally happened.
6: So, how's life at uh, at Cappy at the moment then? If you're if you're just about to release a game, is it stressful? Is it?
12: Uh, yeah, it's been pretty intense. Um, so of course, prepping for a GDC, you know, you're always putting together demos and things like that but you know that's what it's like to make video games (laughs) everyone's going crazy and you know staying up late at the office and not showering
3: what's the best bit of making a video game
12: um for us getting to talk about fart jokes all the time uh, which is essentially one of the ways that we create games Uh, we joke around and we fill a game with humor that keeps us going it's interesting that you mention uh, not
3: showering, because we found out over the course of the last few uh, shows at GDC that the key to having good ideas is to shower.
12: That's actually true. Um, so our creative director, Chris, he pretty much comes with every, comes up with every single game idea he has while sitting in the bath.
3: How uh, do you know? Are you, are you watching
12: him at the yes, time? And you just uh, see a light bulb? so ball? that's the thing. He makes sure that we all stand around and stare at him as he, as he bakes. <laughs>
6: Uh, so, um, tell us a bit about the game.
12: Uh, so, super time force. Um, so, we've been working on it for the better part of two years. Uh, I guess you could describe it as a 2D run-in gun shooter, something like Contra or Metal Slug. Uh, but the main twist is that it allows you to manipulate time. Uh, so, at any point in time, you can sort of rewind time or fast-forward and then jump back in. And any time you do that, you sort of create a new iteration of yourself. So, the more you do this, the more versions of yourself you're creating, running around, helping you out. So it's an it's a action game but it's also a game about time paradoxes and things like that which has made it a really interesting thing to develop and you've been you've, you, you, you've
6: been working very closely with Microsoft on this haven't you how have they
12: been um, yeah so Microsoft has been actually really great to us um, Chris Charla, the head of ID at Xbox he's actually been a, a champion of, of, of Cappy for quite a while so he helped us with our, our next project uh, below um, to get that up on uh, Xbox One so you know Microsoft has been really good with us and, and we really have a Nothing but positive things to say about our relationship with Microsoft. Um, so when's it coming out? Shortly? Uh, yeah, it's in QA right now, and then it should be in certification. So we're looking at May, June-ish uh, for release. And it's, uh, is it on PC as well? Uh, for now, it's just on Xbox 360 and Xbox One. Okay. I, yeah. So Below is also going to use the Kinect, right? Uh, yeah, we're still experimenting with uh, different things that we can do, but definitely we want to... Below is sort of a game about secrets, um, so we don't really want to oh, say much. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So a, a lot of the things that we're going to do with Connect, we're, we sort of want to keep on the down low and let people discover these things. It's
3: then. okay. You can tell us. Yeah, we will, probably, we're not yeah, going to yeah, tell yeah. anybody. Um,
4: but do just lean into the mic. <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, comments.
7: <laughs>
13: Matthew,
6: what's your what's your biggest secret?
13: Uh, that's a good question. It's a very good question. I can't tell you the answer. I can't tell you the answer because it's a secret, Right, but,
7: but, but when
6: you're asked that question, do you have an answer in mind?
13: No, my brain is just furiously going, oh my God, what have I done?
6: Yeah. So what have you done? Nothing.
13: Unfortunately, <laughs> it turns out. What have, I you, can remember. what
6: have you been doing since we since we spoke to you last on uh, on Monday night? Uh,
13: what I've been doing is a lot of GDCing, uh, a lot of sessions. I had a talk this morning, which I think went okay. Probably, no one threw eggs at me, so that was good. see was good uh, That's always a bit nervy,
6: isn't it? Because there's uh-huh. a, there's a survey that comes back afterwards where people yes. rate you. Yeah, and uh, that the weight between the survey coming through and the results. Yeah, what's what's the what's what's the highest you've ever performed, and where was it?
13: That's a good question. Full of them today. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had some good ones at Austin. I've been to GDC Austin a couple of times. Okay. Some of them worked out okay. I uh, had a really weird thing, I went to in Norway once. Right. Um, the most fun, honestly, is FanFest, uh, doing it for the players.
3: Well, um, we look forward to being yeah, there. We're, we're very, very excited. <laughs> what <have I> done? <laughs> maybe, maybe they should combine the uh, feedback, the GDC uh, lecture feedback forms with Tinder.
4: Do you swipe left for this talk or do you swipe right?
3: I'd swipe right with both of these guys.
4: Of
7: course.
13: I have no idea what this gag is and I'm slightly disturbing. (laughs)
5: Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, this is Chris Graft versus One Life Left here at GDC. Who's I winning? I am Chris Graft, Who's winning, Chris? Team. Oh, I'm, I'm winning now. <laughs> I, uh, I got to intro uh, because you allowed me to, but still, I'm in control.
3: Here it through. I, I am hijacking this. Uh, new section of the show, new guest. Hello, Cameron.
14: Hello, how are you?
3: Really, 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 really... I don't know.
4: <laughs> I was just a lot of emotions, but whatever they are, just a lot of them.
3: I was unsure of how that was going to end, and I still am. Either happy, hungover, or oh, basically just existing at this point.
14: I, it is deep. Four, five, eight hundred? I'm not really sure.
3: We're at the point where time doesn't matter.
14: This is what Einstein was talking about with time dilation, is right? It? Okay. I think so. General relativity of GDC.
5: <laughs> so, we were just talking about time paradoxes. Are we stuck in a time paradox <laughs> right
14: now? No. Hey,
3: I'm Chris Graft.
5: Oh, I like my voice. <laughs> it's so
14: soothing.
3: Uh Cameron, can you take a moment to introduce yourself to our listeners?
14: I would be delighted to. Thank you. I'm Cameron Harris. I am senior editor at Bioware Montreal. I am a member of our cross-studio editing team with Bioware Edmonton and uh, Montreal. We are making the next Mass Effect game.
3: What does an editor do in video games?
14: Um, it depends on if you ask a writer that or not. <laughs> because I imagine writers may have a different answer. No, as an editor, I basically help make the writing better. and mm-hmm. um, basically help the narrative make, make that narrative better, which includes more than the writing. So I work with designers, artists, just as the writers do. I also do a lot with uh, production, especially the downstream folks, such as localization and VO, to make sure that scripts get out, it's the right scripts and uh things get translated correctly um so that everybody can enjoy our games
5: are you the one who decides what is canon
14: uh no we uh we have people for that and that is above my pay grade <laughs> the,
6: the,
5: the canon execs
14: but but, surely
6: you're you're able to slip stuff in then aren't you as the editor or takes the foul
14: it's more I'm more of a gatekeeper making sure other people don't slip things in
6: okay can we slip something in
14: (laughs) Uh, I've never been asked that before actually
6: Uh, can we be in the next Mass Effect no okay thanks (laughs)
14: <laughs> but it, but you had to ask, okay, right? Yeah, yeah. You had to ask. No, that's fair.
6: So you say you you work across games. So you I, work on more than one. So you, yes, are yes, you correct. Doing
14: Dragon Age as well. Or? Yes, I am also working on Dragon Age Inquisition. So you don't ever get too confused. Uh, no, <laughs> I know one of space them. Space dragons, exactly. Space <laughs> dragons and fantasy aliens. Yeah. Like no, no, no. I mean that that's the fun of being an editor is that I do get to work on multiple projects, which means I get better what I do because I'm working with more people and figuring out more writing. Um, but all and I. I have more fun, um, but part of my job is to keep an entire game in my head. So that since I'm working with in, you know two different writing teams of many people, I have to know like oh so and so character said this, which contradicts something in a different quest. Okay, we're going to have to fix one of them. Um, so which means I have to know everything.
3: <laughs> Just for legal reasons, I think we're obliged to point out now that Space Dragons is a property of One Life Left.
14: No, that's fair. I understand everything I say can not only be tweeted against me. But it can also be incorporated against me.
6: <laughs> so your involvement with the game continues... Like almost until they, they've gone gold, is that right? Are you continually editing? Or yes, and it?
14: then, and then well, no. Um, we actually have to, uh, I love somebody who knows what going gold means. Uh, <laughs> back no, in the day. Back in the <laughs> exactly, day, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, we count backwards. We schedule backwards. When do things have to get to localization so that we can get the content onto the disk for gold? And so the scheduling just goes backward. At some point, the editing oh, no. has to stop so that it can go to log, so that it can go to VO. And so it can go to loc that then gets to be localized and tested and so on. So yeah, at some point it does unfortunately have to stop.
5: I was actually in your talk. Um, I'd like to I'd like you to talk about the four Cs of the editing. The four
14: Cs. I kind of slid that in. That's actually what I consider the four Cs of good writing. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. My one of my my central theses was that good writing slash editing, good communication should be clear, as in you can immediately understand it. Um, it should be consistent. The same things show up with the same meanings every time things aren't changing. Oh, you met. X shows up as X every time and, um, and uh, coherent in that it all feels like it fits into one unified whole and it's not some weird Frankenstein's monster. If you have those, I believe that then the narrative the writing will be consumable that people can ingest it and then tell their friends and buy copies and everybody's happy. You
6: just described the exact opposite of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well yeah, no, it, it's, it's funny that you mentioned the four C's because I think that we are like three C's.
14: <laughs> so, so you need an editor because I'm a C. I'm Cameron. Okay. <laughs> I can't repeat
6: what see we were. And I kept you out
14: of that, Chris.
7: Okay?
3: Oh, thank yeah.
6: you. Thank you very much. He's okay. He's okay. I'm
4: okay. Uh, back on the show floor at GTC 2014. Um, God, it's really getting busy in here. I think uh, everybody must be coming in and out of sessions. Um, everybody looks fairly. Happy? Would
3: what you what say kind Steve? Of insane. Have I you been to know. the expo yet, Anne? I
4: haven't been into the expo, no.
3: Have you, Chris?
5: Um, yeah, I've been to the expo. I went there. <laughs>
3: <laughs> You're listening to One Life Left, an informational radio broadcast. How was it, Chris?
5: Um, it was buzzing. Uh, it was buzzing. Buzzin'. Um, <laughs> I actually was um, on the show floor because I went to go see the cast AR. Which is uh, like an augmented reality um, solution—is that like just a broad term that you use? Solution for um, uh, video games. You like basically you put these goggles on, and then you look at this reflective piece of like paper or fabric, and then you see a video game, and you can kind of move around it and treat it like and interact with it as if it were real, but it's not. It's augmented reality, and it was cool. It was developed by like basically a splinter cell out of Valve software who left, and then, and uh, then they made it. It, was, it. It's neat.
6: Wow. So does it work? It, it Works with a specific game? Does it all? It work on? All oh,
5: there's. Um, they're just developing games right now and reaching out to developers, and they got prototypes going and uh, demos. So yeah.
3: Glad I asked. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> and guest update, please.
4: Uh, we've got two brand new guests on. Um, would you like to introduce yourself, guests?
15: Uh, sure. Can you hear me okay? Oh, we can hear you. Uh, my voice is completely shot. So that you know, that's the answer to how my GDC is going. Good.
4: Uh, well, let's which, find out why. Which is high.
15: Which is high. Which is a good thing. You know, it's a good GDC if you if you lose your voice. I'm Austin Wintery. I'm a composer. I like to make music. Very lucky people ask me to do it. Uh, what do you make music for? Uh, well, surprise enough, uh, games. <laughs> what? Um, Why are you here? That's crazy. I know. I just came wandering in off the street. I don't even know who all these people are. <laughs> uh, which games specifically have you made music for? Uh, well, the you know, the the answer you're looking for is Journey. Um, but oh, just uh, that old thing. That's right.
3: To... Ann was testing you. <laughs>
15: <laughs> I was, uh, but um, but I was. I've been lucky to work on on a lot. I had one that was uh, in the IGF uh, last night called The Banner Saga. Which lost to another game I'm doing called Gorogoa. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so I'm happily working what, on all kinds
5: of things. Was half of you disappointed? Exactly.
15: Very angry with Well, I was actually sitting at the Banner Saga table when it happened. So I told them all, your guys are dead to me. This is over.
2: <laughs> Embarrassed and just yeah. walked from one table to the other. Exactly. But I did,
15: <laughs> I did offer that I could potentially help set them all up with internships at Gorogoa. <laughs> and uh, so I may actually be out of that job.
6: And we heard another voice then, didn't we? Who's, who's that? Hello. Hi, uh, Chris Stalin and I'm a writer. Hello, Chris. So, we've got a writer Hi. and a composer. We, could, uh, oh. <laughs> we We had an editor earlier. We, we've uh, almost assembled a team to make our own game. Nice. So <laughs> what sort of stuff have you been writing
2: for? Uh, writing? So, it was the writer on Mark of the Ninja, and. Cool uh working on a romantic comedy right now for choice of games and before that i was a game journalist with a kill screen uh do some stuff with polygon unwinnable
6: that's an unusual genre the romantic comedy genre of games
2: yeah yeah it's, it's a very small genre i'm very excited about it
6: i can't think of any other examples um
2: i can't either i know there have been some You're a pioneer. Um,
15: yeah
6: I, i'm hoping i am
2: yeah so
15: <laughs> i would call it grim fandango a romantic comedy. okay
2: yeah, there's some written things, so, with that
6: cute romance. So why but, yeah. aren't you doing anything original then? Honestly, there are loads <laughs> of romantic comedies. Um, so who are you, who are you writing, uh, writing that for and with? Uh, I'm writing it for Choice of Games. It's going to be
2: branching text um, in their JavaScript framework.
6: Okay, and um, can, you, can you yeah? So to, can you tell us any more about it?
2: Sure, sure. So the name of it, it's coming out later this year. The name is, and the heart goes tick tick tick, and it's a near future light sci-fi thing about a time when everyone's so busy that no one has time to meet anybody. So you're kind of a matchmaker who goes and, like, contrives that disrupts people's commutes, contrives the kind of scenarios that you might know from romantic comedy films in order to put people together and kind of give them that chance to meet cute. And then the problem is, you run into your arch rival and the two of you get in trouble and then you're on the run and you can kind of imagine where it goes from there. Um, and then they may be your love interest. Although, because it's all your choice, they may not.
3: Right. What are the unique problems with uh, delivering comedy in video games?
2: Oh, well, you have to be funny. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I don't think that's unique. We've been trying for years. Yeah. <laughs> Still working on it. Uh,
2: but- yeah, that's the hard part. I mean, the structure of like getting people together and figuring out are they going to hate each other, like each other, get, or give the player ways to argue and to fight is tough. Um, one thing I like, though, is... You know, a lot of games that have a romance, you always have to say the right thing. You always have to be very agreeable, like, oh, you look great. Oh, you did a great job. I agree with your entire philosophy of life. And you have to keep doing that all the way until you're sharing a tent together or whatever. And what I'm hoping is they'll be stuck together. So if you want to fight, if you want to hate each other, if you want to be bitter rivals, there's still a framework, but they're still there. And I'm hoping comedy could come out of that. Interesting. As well as sexual tension or whatever it leads to, so...
6: Austin, uh, what's how would you write some romantic comedy music?
15: <laughs> well, I, that's actually really awesome, sounding. Uh, yeah, I have to I have to point away from you to talk to you. <laughs> um, don't take that as meaning any judgment on you. Um, no, that that uh, that sounds that actually would be a big compositional challenge because the dialogue is kind of the main thrust. And you know, for me, I'm always you know you have to stay out of the way of those kinds of things. That becomes the music. It becomes the thing that. Your ear wants to follow, so it'd be, you know. And then also, nothing's worse than like jokey, that's sort right. of yeah, yeah. you know, music that yeah. that's trying to be the punchline in itself. Yeah, you know, so it's typically, sitcom yeah, riffs. exactly. Ty- typically, I think with with comedy and with with romance, both, you're you're there to kind of add the like earnestness and let it. If it needs to be funny, let it be funny, and you you can be like that touch of heart, you know.
3: I, w- I wonder whether that's you've hit on something there yeah. because both uh, both. The uh, audio and the uh, and the script writing are very specifically to do with timing, right? Music is obviously to do with timing, and comedy is absolutely about timing. But the thing about timing in video games is that depends on the player, and player agency and player choice. So it must be quite difficult to deal with uh, an unpredictable user of the game and then deliver an experience that impacts them in the way that you want to manipulate their emotions.
15: Well, I mean, if you want to learn more about that, there's a conference every year called GDC in which (laughs) 10,000 speakers discuss that exact conundrum.
3: Unfortunately, we do a radio show at the same (laughs) time.
15: Too busy, too busy wondering if anyone's talking about this. Uh, No, that's that's the dilemma, you know. I mean, in certain games, it's more of a dilemma than others. You know, if you have very specific musical moments you want to. I mean, like with Journey, you know, that's such a linear, crafted sort of experience that you go through. The music had to be really hyper-specific so that it just felt natural to whatever you were doing. Which was it took three years to do, as you know. That's why it took so long.
3: The, the other thing I was thinking back to was, uh, was, you know, one of the great comedy games is, is Monkey Island. And um, we, we, as One Life Left, we once did video game stand-up comedy. So we, did, we, we each did, you know, a 10-15 minute set of hilarious video game jokes at a proper comedy club, and it went okay, and we'll never, ever, ever do it again. But it was hard enough to write one punchline. For a joke in monkey island every single setup kind of has three options that you can choose from
2: that are all good they, well they're they're awfully funny guys right mm. um but you know uh, what Austin, what you were mentioning about earnestness i almost feel like that's it the funniest moments are where the game surprises you or the game kind of comes in and like you think you're all high and mighty on something and the game kind of just slips in and it's like no or slips and says, "Oh, all right
5: <laughs> it's a little bit of losing control yeah.
3: excellent Kama Sutra, why don't you chip in with something
5: Oh, well, I've been sitting here thinking about, you know, earnestness as well. Um, In Grey's Anatomy, um, whenever I notice this, um, and I I do not like this this show at all, it just really annoys
3: me. It's all right, no one's judging.
5: Yeah, no, (laughs) I I just want to put that out there. But whenever, I notice whenever something kind of, um, something... it, the music ends up being the thing that cues the people of the emotion they're supposed to be feeling at the moment. Like, oh, this is the jokey part. And then you have, like, the, the plucky violins. Like, ding,
2: ding, 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 ding,
5: ding, ding, ding. And uh, it's super annoying. It happens all the time. Um, and then uh, it's... Uh, so uh, I, I think that Austin may be talking about the exact opposite of, of that.
15: <laughs> well, yeah, there's no point in being redundant. You know, like, if it's a joke it's already a joke what am I adding Mm. I'm only going to do exactly like you just said is take away from it if that's the if that's the approach you take Uh,
3: earlier on we had a man whose job job it is to watch users play video games and then change games appropriately so they can affect the player in more you know we accused him of being manipulative Sure. He, d- he, didn't, he didn't like that. <laughs> he d- didn't enjoy that uh, line of questioning. He seemed okay with my accusations of
5: them holding human experiments at Ubisoft, though, right? <laughs> do,
3: you, do you ever feel a little bit manipulative when you're constructing a score for a video game?
15: Oh, uh, well, definitely, I think I would probably end up siding with him on, on this one. Because, like, just now, when you were talking about Grey's Anatomy and you said um, that the, the score was trying to amplify the way you're supposed to be feeling... To me, the, the premise, the way you phrased that analyzes exactly what's wrong with that situation, which is there's a difference between the way you're supposed to feel and the way you do feel. Mm-hmm. My job is to invite you to feel whatever you feel, and hopefully we kind of end up in alignment with each other. But I, I do not subscribe to the belief that through my music I can make you anything, happy, sad, blah, 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 blah my job is to kind of open the door and let you walk through it yourself, and then if you do, the music will kind of create a feedback loop with you, but I can't take you there.
3: And Chris's job is to be hilarious.
2: I, which is a steep job. Um, but I will mention... You know, mind. <laughs> you know, that, that word manipulative is a tough word, but mm. wasn't that always the heritage of games, like back when it was like maybe one person making a game, and they might even insert themselves in a way, like I'm thinking of like Tr- Brian Moriarty's Trinity, or even Leisure Suit Larry. The designer kind of comes in, they're basically saying, I'm here to be God. And they know it and they embrace that. You know, they they enjoy that power. And, I mean, we haven't totally gotten away with that, from that.
3: David Cage still does it, doesn't he?
6: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
3: We had Brian Moriarty on the show a couple of years ago, didn't we? Why was that, Simon? Why was that, Steve? It was because you wanted the Moriarty of the video game (laughs) industry
6: (laughs) on the show. That is right, yeah.
3: (laughs) And that's how funny we are. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, guys.
6: Welcome back to the GDC show floor. Uh, We're One Life Left Broadcasting live from GDC 2014. Um, We are on a slightly raised platform uh, in one of the walkways between uh, the many conference rooms. And what I'm finding a little odd is that uh, as people walk past, some of them are raising their electronic devices to us and are... Uh, taking pictures rather than showing off the fact that they own an iPhone, but but I find it strange that someone would walk past and think, well, right, I, I like the cu- I like that view. I would like to look at that view again in the future, so I should record it. That seems strange. Then why would you do that, Chris Craft? I mean, you're a good-looking guy. <laughs>
5: Um, okay. No, but it is—it is, it is weird. I—I um, I think it's—I uh, don't think it has anything to do with us. I think it's the raised platform.
6: So, so, so people here are fans of raised platforms. Yeah, they love it's a, a good raised, raised platform. Right. There
5: must be something interesting going
3: on there.
5: Well, they must be important. I think what they're doing is they're going to take our picture, then they'll sort out the importance of it later on. Then they'll research. I, I, I
3: think it's something like that. I think they're wandering past us and they look over what and they the see you, Chris, and they think. Didn't I see that guy in Carl's Jr. at 5 a.m. this morning? (laughs) That was me. (laughs) Or maybe it's because uh, of the beauty of our two new
6: guests. Was the, uh, hello, who are you?
16: Hi, this is Sarah Bryn.
3: Hello, Sarah Bryn. Hello, I am John Walker two beautiful people welcome to the show thank you for coming on sarah brennan i've got an apology to make uh, last night i was using the word curate all the time because we'd had a discussion about it in the in the, you know and how you use the word curate correctly it was in my head and then i couldn't stop using it and every time i used it i was using it incorrectly
7: that's
16: because you're provocative
3: sorry
5: <laughs> no
3: um tell us about
5: this discussion that you both had about the word curate
16: you guys just won't let it die, will you? I'm ready to let it go, and you're just, you're just ready to hold on. Um, so, so to give you folks a little bit of background, uh, I'm, a, I'm a curator. I'm a, I've been working in art museums for about 10 years, and um, I used to get really mad when people you, would use the word curate to talk about non-art context. That's
3: what I was doing. Yeah. I was like, oh, shall I go and curate a round of drinks? <laughs> stop. Calm down, Sarah. Calm down. <laughs> Anyway, we've curated quite a good panel today. John, what brings you to GDC this year?
0: What a curating time we're having. What brings me here is the same as every year, which is um, a desire to remind myself why I love video games.
3: Because last year, when you were on the show, didn't sound like you loved video games very much at all.
0: I was so grumpy last year. What was was it about 2013 that you disliked? It was just the the number, I think, more than anything. Just a particular configuration of four numbers that just inherently upset me. <laughs> no, it was a bizarre year. It was a year of, um... Uh, it, was a, it was an interesting year for in terms of, like, the one reason to be and all that stuff was kicking off, and, uh... Yeah, this year I'm just like, I've come here and having my batteries recharged, I'm seeing all sorts of amazing stuff and really exciting things and I'm just kind of, sorry, am I not leaning in enough? Um, uh, Yeah, and I'm just having a a really amazing time and just kind of going, wow, video games are brilliant again,
6: hooray! So what have you seen that's particularly excited you?
0: I saw. Um, I just. I just had to go on Sound Self for the first time. That's That was one of the IGF uh, nominees. An amazing thing. Our Yes, indeed. And it's. Uh, I've never put an Oculus. Ooh, that's a yeah. exciting shout! I've never put an Oculus Rift on before, so it was a kind of weird way to start. And what was so uh, fun about it for me was um, I can't see. I have no control over what notes my, my voice makes. And this game is driven by my making sort of oomh um, noises. And I realised that as I started kind of relaxing into it, I was allowing myself to make these noises in public. And my musicality, which of which I thought I had none, was allowing this game to do beautiful and wonderful things, and it made me feel kind of special. <laughs>
3: Sarah, is this the same game that I saw at Something You Curated?
0: Why?
16: Yes, it is. Uh, yeah, we, we were lucky enough to show a version of Sound Self at Arcade, which is the show we did in collaboration with Baby Castles and the MOMA during GDC last year. Uh, I haven't seen the version on the Oculus Rift, though. Although I'm really I'm really scared to try it because every time I use an Oculus Rift, I feel a little bit ill.
3: It was one of my favourite experiences of last year because I, I saw two girls playing playing on it and, you know, it seemed to be going well. And, and, I said, and they went, oh, hi, Stee. And when they said my name, it made a really nice pattern. And so they kept saying it over and over and over again. So there I was with two girls just going, Stee, Stee, <laughs> Stee. This this didn't happen,
6: did it?
7: Did it did
3: happen. <laughs> it, <laughs> it genuinely
6: awesome. happened. Um, you're doing a talk tomorrow, Sarah, aren't you?
16: I am. I'm doing a talk. I'm on a panel with Marie Folston from the Wild Rumpus, Jim Monroe from the Hand Eye Society, uh, Wiley Wiggins from Fantastic Arcade, and Kunal from Baby Castles, and we're going to talk about curating video games, and I'm really excited.
6: How do you curate video games, then?
16: Very carefully. Very <laughs> carefully. Um uh i mean there's there's a a lot of different approaches you see folks taking to curating so some folks will curate parties and some folks will curate art exhibitions and you know depending on who you talk to there might be some some kind of formal differences between the two um but i think there are different kind of ways to organize a show and um tomorrow's going to be a really really good way to kind of show the whole gamut of how people are working
6: what uh you're not talking john are you I've never, ever been invited to talk at GDC. Would you be
0: interested in talking? I'd love to talk at GDC. I'm a very opinionated (laughs) man. (laughs) So
6: what would you talk about?
0: No, I have no, no idea. That's why I've never been invited okay. to talk. I think I would what I'd love to talk about, I'd like to talk about um, how uh, developers can stop getting Kickstarter wrong. That would be a fun talk to Right. Right. Um, how to email a games journalist. Yeah. That would be an amazing talk for GDC, because oh. it's, oh my goodness, everyone needs to hear that. So, like,
5: uh, when you write about video games uh, for a site like Rock, Rock Paper Shotgun or, like, Gamasucha or whatever, um, <clears throat> you take for granted... Um, a lot of the things that you already know like for example last year uh, a really heavily trafficked article that we did um, I just asked my editors um, you you know the title of it was how to annoy a game journalist with a press release and uh, there's all kinds of stuff for example um, they will follow up on an email that they just sent they will send it to you and then five seconds later they'll call you
0: did you get my email? But, but did you? Uh, I didn't. <laughs> I should let them know. I had I had the most passive aggressive voicemail from a PR last week who phoned me up and said, "Hi, uh, I'm just checking that you're not dead." Excellent. That's how he began. I'm like, great, thanks. Yeah. I'm really, really uh, really on board but with you, you now.
6: You you often point stuff like that out on that paper shotgun, don't you? And you and you and certainly on Twitter you're encouraging people. Like, you say uh, it's. Uh, that you should, you have to put your game on uh, the press accounts on Steam and you're surprised that people don't. And
0: Yeah, that's it. I've been talking to quite a few developers this week who've never heard of press accounts. Right. And I think Valve just needs a big kick up the bum about that. Although uh, I, I had an email from someone this morning saying there's a new button that we can make games go on the press account if they're not. So maybe that's been fixed. I haven't been near a PC to check since. But that's quite exciting. But yeah, uh, that's really important because, every, uh, especially with Greenlight, there are so many games appearing on Steam every day now. And, and I'll routinely I'll look at what's there and if something catches my eye, I'll go check if it's in my library and if it's not it's, yeah. I know it makes me a bad guy, but I kind of maybe move on to the next thing. So it's really important but, uh, in terms of accessibility I really love for developers to know. I think that you're just talking about curation Yeah, and that's just the way I'm sitting in, the,
6: in, well, in my chat and, and that's going to become increasingly important isn't it a lot of chatter, this year has been about how with Steam opening up um, the, 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 the fear is that it's going to become like the App Store, which is a confused and and uh, often depressing place. Uh, so yeah, do you, do you have similar fears, or you know? It's...
0: I don't know. I'm 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 kind of hopeful that I th- I think what I see Valve doing, and I I swear I have no inside knowledge on this at all. But I think what I see uh, Valve doing at the moment is trying to put enough systems into Steam such that uh, that everything's in place to allow the um, the good stuff to rise to the top. So they've put the tags in, they've put the user reviews in. I think there's going to be some more stuff appearing, is my guess, such that uh, once the influx really kicks in, the the audience will be self-selecting and pushing the best stuff to the top that way. Yeah, um, Neil, Gabe
5: Newell uh, with Valve Software was talking pretty openly about allowing... Uh, the users to create their own storefronts so it kind of uh, they intend to just kind of uh, um, use, the, use the kind of wisdom of the crowds type, type thing right. and then um, in that way then people can find the games that they like they can find someone who has similar tastes in games as they do and, uh, and that's how you can maybe help solve some discoverability problems
6: there's always the danger of the mischief of the crowd though isn't there with that sort of thing
5: no no the crowd is always wise
6: <laughs> as was illustrated by their uh, their use of tags when, uh, when when Steam turned that on
5: oh yeah that was super
6: fancy yeah so could you create a Steam storefront Sarah Uh
16: yeah I, I, I could I don't, I don't think that I would want to um, because you know a part of part of one question I ask myself when I write at ex- exhibitions is when I put games into a gallery space or any kind of exhibition space how am I adding value to the experience like you know because if, if it's just exactly equal to an experience for someone could have at home there's n- there's no real point in showing it in the gallery so um meh.
6: it's a dangerous question to ask I mean I think if we asked ourselves do we add anything to humanity <laughs> <laughs> Done it. Great. Well, thanks for coming on the show, guys. Yeah, uh, thanks for having it. us. Uh, yeah, we'll Thank see you. You, we'll see do you know,
0: what I'm going to the next. i am going to how to survive internet negativity. Are that's you? my next session.
6: Excellent. Well, come back on tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Welcome back to One Life Left. This is Gama Sutra. This is episode three, four, four, episode four. Uh, we're still on the show floor. We've had quite a line of guests today, and they've all come in pairs.
4: I just think that sometimes people uh, might feel a little intimidated. Are you partnering people up? I really am. This is like um, my, my very own special kind of friendship dating service.
3: I like it. Um,
4: but I think we've had some very good partnerships,
3: is Yeah, you've chats. matched them up very, very well. So, who's going to be getting it on now, Anne? <laughs>
4: Well, dear guests, why don't you introduce yourselves to each other and see how you uh, see how this works out.
17: Hi, uh, I'm Tom Betts, um, and we were almost uh, set up to share a mic as well, so I don't know if that was deliberate, <laughs> but we've got our own one now. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I'm here with Big Robot, and we're working on So You're Being Hunted. That's the name of your company uh, rather than a companion. Uh, <laughs> I would love to be here with a big robot, or a small robot, really, any robot.
18: Hi, I'm Richard Dansky, central Clancy writer for Ubisoft, and uh, I, I am not at all hurt by your desertion of our oh shared microphones. I'll, I'll just be over here by myself. So,
6: first impressions of, of each other? <laughs> Seems like a nice guy. I mean... <laughs> he writes Tom Clancy, right? You Be careful what you okay, say. He's yeah, could... the nicest guy in the world. Have you I seen what disappear. they do in some of those games? Yeah. Uh, I've been very much enjoying Cell Blacklist, by the way. Thank you very much. Uh, was, that, was,
18: was, was that your work? Yes, it was. I was... Uh, On the team as a writer for that one.
6: Okay, yeah, no, it it seemed um, yeah, just like the uh, when I reviewed it for the show, uh, just it was like the the the, he's the baddest like the baddest best episode of some sort of uh, of a TV series. Yeah, absolutely thrilling. I'm yet to finish it. I've just got to the first person sections, which I was uh,
18: surprised about.
6: Was that was that your choice to change the viewpoint?
18: a lot of the decisions are on a project like that obviously they come from a lot of different directions Uh Um, one of the things that was great about working on that team was how much input narrative had into a lot of those decisions and taking into account how much how things like that would affect the narrative and what sort of emotional impact you know a change in perspective or something like that would have
6: so um, the story itself. I mean it's um, it's set. Uh, I forget what the terrorist organisation is called in it. The engineers. The engineers. So the engineers are. Te- uh, you're you're scouring around the world uh, trying to stop engineer attacks um, on the coolest plane uh, that's got the best tech. How do you how do you continue to come up with ideas like this, which are bigger and better than the previous games in the series?
18: Uh, just keep reading the news. Uh, <laughs> everything comes from what's out there. There's a. Giant PowerPoint of okay, real life, ins- of right. real life incident inspired this part of the game. This uh, real life incident inspired this part of the game. As long as you read the news and don't just settle for the headlines, there's an incredible wealth of material that can be adapted and used as inspiration to uh, to fuel storylines.
3: Um, so, sir, you are being hunted. Takes a rather different <laughs> attitude to future technology, doesn't it?
18: Yeah,
17: a little bit. My, my le- Bit less based on real world news and more based on sort of homicidal tea drinking robots.
3: Can you tell our <laughs> listeners how that game works?
17: Um, it's, it's a procedurally generated open world FPS game with a real focus on stealth and Britishness, I guess. <laughs> um, so you're uh, abandoned uh, on an archipelago of islands uh, of which you have to escape while being ruthlessly hunted down by top hats wearing robots and their their dogs and steeds.
7: So the
6: game's uh, on early access, isn't it? It has been for some time now. It how, is, it how's that been? Because you, you sort of end up making a game publicly, don't you?
17: Yeah, you do. I mean, it's been really good for us. I think it's probably not perfect for certain types of games. I'm not quite sure how a really strong narrative game would work in that way. Um, but when your game's really iterative in terms of how we develop it, it's really good because it means you just get kind of constant waves of feedback from the kind of community. It really helps you, especially with a small team, because they can kind of pick out all the bugs that you can't see yourself. Just
3: how do you uh, how do you pick the good feedback out from the bad feedback? I mean, the useful pe- feedback from the from the not so useful. Feedback um, we
17: just ignore the stuff we don't like. Okay. <laughs>
6: Uh, so have you have you been doing a talk, Tom?
17: Yeah, I did two talks. This is in fact, I finished one yesterday, so I'm all chilled out, and relaxed now. Um, I go with talk on Monday as part of the kind of create create trilogy. Yeah, see that creative and trilogy clever stuff. <laughs> Um, and, and I gave a tech talk yesterday in the programming strand.
3: Okay. You're looking forward to your uh, feedback, your Tinder swipe right, swipe left, depending on uh, whether you're <laughs> a success.
17: Yeah, I haven't actually visited that myself
3: That's yet, what so they're doing yeah. now. It's just a big picture of you, oh, and people dude. are encouraged to go one way
18: or the other. <laughs> okay.
6: So what's uh, what's next in the world of uh, Tom, Tom Clancy?
18: Well... I could tell you, but then I'd have to kill you.
7: <laughs>
6: <laughs> and then they would kill and me, and really? then they'd
18: send people to kill me. And, people and kill I played you,
6: your games, you'd do it quite brutally, wouldn't you?
18: <laughs> There's practice, you know. <laughs> we do do our research, right, so, okay. yeah. So, but uh, it's one of the nice things is that Tom Quite is such a vibrant brand that you can go in so many different directions. I mean, you look at the games that have already been out there, yeah. um, you know, from you know the big infantry action of Ghost Recon, the, uh, the, sp- the spy action of Splinter Cell, um, obviously, people are talking about The Division. Yeah. So it is it is a vibrant brand. There's a lot of interesting stuff happening in it. Does
6: it change how you approach stuff, um, Like particularly with uh, Blacklist, when you had a change in voice actors? You were writing for
18: a different Sam Fisher, a different performance.
6: Did that change anything?
18: It changed writing the, uh, the dialogue in the sense that Michael Ironside had a very specific rhythm, and being familiar with that rhythm meant that I could you know, tailor lines to his patter, his cadence, and really... Play on that to make the lines sound a certain way, and just learning a new actor meant learning his individual cadence and getting to a to a place where I was comfortable with how he would speak lines and getting it to where that would have the same emotional heft. The new guy did a fantastic job. Yeah, oh, I thought it was, it was great. Awesome. Yeah,
6: I, I mean, in terms of the the, the character, I mean, he, he he's he's begun to rival Solid Snake as the man I want to be. <laughs> I felt in Blacklist because like, he's so cool and 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 what he's doing so cool and and um I. I didn't finish Splinter Cell Conviction um, mainly because I ended up having to sort of start it three times and I, I, I got to the got to the sort of same bit. I forget, I was playing it on live, so uh, uh, when that launched uh, they were like, hey, you can pick a game to play and I, and I, I, I picked that and then I should have thought more carefully about it because whilst it's a great game playing it over streaming back then wasn't I- ideal, but um, yeah, but Blacklist has is, is really is, yeah, is, 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 I, I think it's changed how uh, the stealth action game should work. I mean, I, I was reading a lot about um, some of the Spin Cell purists and, and it, it's moved away from sort of how sort of pure stealth that Spin Cell used to be and, ter- and sort of gone more action. And that's, that seemed to have divided the audience. But for me, I, yeah, um, I I'm really interested to see how uh, Metal Gear sort of Grand Zeros, which is out in the UK tomorrow, uh, helps move things along as well. I think it's quite an exciting time in the, the action stealth Series?
18: Yeah, I mean, there's that, you know, Thief just came out, and it's really exciting that people are interested in the style of gameplay again, so just, you know, going forward. And one of the things that's been really cool is the way the redefinition has taken into account a broader variety of play styles. It's not just, okay, you have to sneak and that is it. Yeah. Um, giving the player latitude to be sneaky when they want to. And sort of placing stealth within a larger spectrum of gameplay so that it's not the only option. That way, a lot of times, doing something really cool and stealthy feels that much more powerful because you know you could have, you, know, you have almost, you know, outsmarted the situation by doing it the hard way.
6: How much are you influenced by the other teams at Ubisoft? Because uh, the other thing with Blacklist was that it, it seemed to, um, like, I think Ubisoft games are now having a, have a sort of, uh, just, just a feeling to them. Um, so they're polished, um, but I felt that Blacklist had also um, borrowed a little from Assassin's Creed because of some of the moves that Sam Fisher can now do. We can scale the outside of buildings and rocky crabs and crags and stuff like that. The idea of um, new content that was provided uh, weekly, or da- is it daily or weekly in Splinter Cell Blacklist? You get these missions that you can only attend at a certain time. Do you collaborate much with the other teams? Well
18: that's the, one of the nice things about Ubi is that you know there really is a lot of communication and collaboration between the studios, there's a lot of co-production and there's a lot of people moving between teams and between studios. I mean personally I've worked with studios in Montreal and Toronto and Bucharest, Redstone, right North Carolina, Paris, so just even being able to pick up and talk to somebody in another studio and picking their brain informally as well as the formal collaboration that happens is a tremendous influence, it's a tremendous benefit.
6: Can you call someone on the Assassin's Creed team and tell them that when I'm in a chase mission and I'm holding down the right trigger, that doesn't mean I want to crouch
18: on a post? <laughs> Probably not.
6: <laughs> so what can we expect to see from you next?
18: Well again this is another one where I tell you I've done it and you know I, I like you and I don't want to, have to kill
3: you I quite like the idea of this, this whole uh, series of shows ending with us being
17: waterboarded yeah,
3: exactly,
6: yeah. <laughs> uh, and Tom uh, so, so you're being hunted is coming out of early access soon isn't it
17: yeah hopefully in the next couple of months
6: and, what, and what's, what's next for you then
17: Well, well, I guess we have to. We're only small, so we've got to see how well it does. We've got a bunch of different ideas, and really, kind of which one we pick, or which ones we pick, I guess, will depend on on how well the game performs. I mean, we're set up at the minute to produce another project. It's just the scale of the project that might change depending on how well the game's received.
6: Great. Well, do keep us posted. Uh, Thanks so much for coming on, both of you. It's been a real pleasure having you on. Enjoy the rest of the show. Thank
7: Thank you. you.
3: One life left live at GDC 2014. We started the show with too many people for too few microphones. Now
4: we're all on our own mics, aren't we That's
3: partially because Garmasutra once again has left us halfway through.
4: No, I think Garmasutra turns up, makes sure that we're alright. Like like a, a a loving parent just settles us in, says, you, you're doing alright, I'm gonna let you I'm gonna let you ride without stabilising this time.
3: If you love someone, let them go. That's what we've done with Chris Graft.
6: We did, but uh, we have been joined by someone else. Hello. 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 Who are
8: you? Uh, my
3: name is Keith Garrett.
8: I am the lead effects artist at Naughty Dog. Excellent. Uh, one, we... one of the lead effects artists. Sorry. Right. He's so a we... good friend. I don't want to do him any injustice here. <laughs>
6: Well, you're the one on the radio. I think you can say whatever you like. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Pick yourself up. Um, it's turning into a Naughty Dog uh, flavored show. So, congratulations to Naughty Dog for your big success last night. Yeah,
8: thank you so much. Um, it's been a good week.
6: Yeah. So, uh, did you work on the Last of Us? I did. Okay. Yeah. Um, we. I, I know that people sort of rarely admit that they were expecting to win, but were you expecting to win?
8: Um, to some degree. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a. Uh, I. I I don't want to be egotistical about that, but we've we've had a really good season, you know. Yeah, and So yeah. we go to these award shows, and, and there's a little bit of edge, but at the same time, it kind of builds up the excitement and tension because we're sitting there thinking, "Oh man, what happens if we don't win?" this? <laughs> you know, and and it's fun. It's uh, it's it's been a really, really, really good season for us. Obviously, very humbling, but you, but you, super exciting.
6: You won a BAFTA last week. We won a few BAFTAs, yeah, like yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
8: By the way, those are hard to get back into the country. <laughs> are they? It's they're heavy. So how do you fly with? Uh, of, with five of them? them. You know, I tell you
3: what. Next time, just leave them with us. Leave with
8: us,
6: yeah. We'll will well, yeah, we'll keep
3: them on our mantelpieces I and if you could have of... them engraved with our names exactly as well that just would be...
6: so what is it about uh, w- w- obviously without spoiling anything for those of us that haven't played it uh, what is it about The Last of Us that you think has really captured the imagination this year
8: you know I think we've we pushed a different type of narrative tone than, than most other games are, are doing um, I think we have a very unusual setup right now where we can focus on a story and uh, make a game around a story, as opposed to trying to push a story into the game. Instead right. of focusing on, on graphics and just making amazing graphics, and then stubbing in a story. Uh, for us, the heart of our games is always going to be the story, and we build everything out from that. So,
6: so it's it's un it's unusual to see um, a blockbuster so universally loved. In fact, I've not seen anybody go, oh uh, you know, that shouldn't have won, which is what people tend to do at games awards. Um, yeah, and it, it, it it's it, it it hasn't uh, split opinion at all. It seems so. What on earth is going on in the background there? Crikey! Um,
3: yeah, is that? Wow. That's <laughs> not, us. <laughs> it's not us. We don't have that kind of power.
6: Yeah. So your so your your role in The Last of Us was f- special effects. Yeah, special effects. Okay. Yes. And have you have you worked on previous Naughty Dog games?
8: Yeah. Right? So I came in uh, midway through Uncharted 2 and, and uh, headed up the effects department with with Mike Dudley, and then we've grown the team. You guys picked a very noisy spot, Haven't we?
3: Yeah, no, it has all stuff it's, it's atmospheric. Very, yes, right. I think that um, uh, one of the things about Wildlife Life Life is we broadcast to a varied, varied audience of people who know about video games and people who don't so much know about video games who just listen to us because they like the sound of our, our voices. I, I understand uh, why. You,
8: and, you guys are sensual up here. Uh,
3: thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, some of those people uh, like will be familiar with what a special effects artist would do in uh, movies, uh, and they would be responsible for all of the CGI and the layered. Stuff like after the movie's made, Sure. but everything in video games is fake. None of it's real. So do you <laughs> it's, do everything? It's
7: true.
8: Nothing is real. Yes. Uh, no. So, so my role at Naughty Dog is uh, uh, it's a lot of the subtleties. It's uh, all of the explosions, which are not subtle. It's it's the fires, the snow, the weather, the rain, the splashes, the blood, the uh, the muzzle flashes and gunshots. But then we also view our role as putting life into a static environment. I mean, like you said, at the end of the day, everything in the world that we're making is is fake, Uh, and it's all static geometry. You know, we try really hard to make curtains move and things like that, which is really difficult, but uh, it's my department's role to find a way to put as much motion and life into the world around you so that it feels like it is alive.
3: What is the um, hardest thing you've had to do Which has seemed simple at the time Something you've seen like a curtain And go, oh let's make those move And it's ended up eight weeks of work it's,
8: it's everything So in The Last of Us we have this scene uh, uh, So the, the lead effects artist in The Last of Us uh, Evan Cook, the other my, my good friend um, He spent about two months making windshield wipers Move water off of the windshield <laughs> During one of the cinematics <laughs> just because we had the time and it was a very fun cool challenge right. at that point but yeah we go up for it and then I love it because so we spent all this time and Evan was incredibly proud of it he's showing it off and uh, our creative director Neil Druckmann he walks by and he's looking at it and he's like the puddle that the car drives through there's no tire tread in the puddle when it, when it goes over it." And it's <laughs> so right, like, picky picky
6: oh, <laughs> 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 So, uh, what have you been doing at GDC, aside from picking up awards?
8: Uh, well, I haven't picked up any awards. Uh, my team has. Okay. Um, but, uh, so, I had a presentation last night. Uh, one of the beautiful things about GDC for us is that we get to share all of our cool tricks that we're doing and anything that we're, we're proud of. So, uh, we get to give back to the community and learn from the community at the same time. So. Uh,
4: what was your talk?
8: My talk was about the skies. Uh, very very pretentious title of moving the heavens right <laughs> um you guys are making me sound arrogant up here. <laughs> get over yourself <laughs> uh no so it was all about the skies the the art of putting a, a nice uh, a, a very well composited and emotionally driven sky into your environment and what it can do for the narrative as well as how to make it move
6: so uh what, what are the best examples of skies, then? Like, so people always champion the old Sega games, blue skies
8: make you feel happy. <laughs> what other stuff can you... Uh...
3: How can you manipulate yeah. us with the heavens?
8: <laughs> nice. Uh, well, that's, that's kind of the, the point, is the sky is one of these uh, really powerful emotional cues for us as viewers. That if, Like you said, if you see a tropical blue sky, you're going to feel kind of happy, warm, relaxed. Whereas if you feel uh, a looming dark sunset with a storm coming, like, there's a different level of anxiety and tension with that, so... Uh, It can control the emotion. It obviously also controls the the lighting and the color palette of your environment, which, if we want to be artistic in our color choices, it has to match in the sky. But it's also a really cool tool for us to foreshadow what's coming or what you've just recently passed. If you've gone through hell recently in the game and and, uh, maybe the sun is rising and you can look behind you and there's going to be just a dark, stormy sector knowing that you're moving towards the sunrise and that there's there's a bit of hope coming for at least the day to come. Uh, Similarly, you can put something dangerous on the horizon that, that you're guiding the player towards and it's it's just a really simple again emotional cue to foreshadow what's actually coming at you in the narrative
3: what sort of a sky do you see in our future
8: <laughs> you know it's, it's these voices I think That's you guys right, have yeah, such yeah. bright beautiful skies are, are you taking vacation after this are you are, are you, you guys inviting me yeah <laughs> come down to Los Angeles
3: <laughs> I am literally doing that That's, are you yes beautiful yeah. uh, I'm, I'm very excited I, I, I guess I'll see you there yeah. right let's make it happen
6: so, what, so what's next for you now what are you working on
8: uh, well, right now we are working on Uncharted yeah. uh, and getting ourselves up and running on the PS4. Uh, we've just finished up some more DLC for The Last of Us, uh-huh. uh, and we, a few weeks ago, uh, shipped the latest single-player D- DLC. Downloadable content is yep. what DLC stands for, uh, which is just an add-on to the single-player campaign with a little bit of extra story and background on our characters. Uh, so right now it's kind of the early phase in our productions, which means we have a little bit of free time. We get take come to conferences and do presentations and... and Travel around other studios and see what they're doing, and see what we can learn from them.
6: Well, I'm uh, I'm very excited to see what you guys come up with because I think it's fair to say that games like Uncharted really showed what, uh, well, and the last us, showed what the what the last generation or the, you know, the current generation of hardware could do. So, Thank you. The, the thought of you boys and girls on uh, on uh, PlayStation 4 is uh, is really exciting.
8: It's it's fun, yeah. It's I uh, mean the, the entire ceiling is lifted above us, and so we get to sit back and just dream big again and right. figure out what we can do with it. It's, it's exciting well hurry up I, I'll do my best <laughs> okay, <thanks so> much.
3: <laughs> and if you want to give us the BAFTAs for next year yeah, just exactly, okay.
13: yeah,
8: yeah. Oh, we'll make it happen excellent thanks so much for coming on the show thank you it's a pleasure
3: we're back but we're going Tease. yes uh, we've reached
6: the end of our full show it's been good hasn't it
3: it's really, really been very good. An excellent lineup of guests again. Well done, Anne.
6: Thank yeah, you. well, well done. Well, well done, guests.
4: Thank you all for coming mm-hmm. on. can you can't, you can't take
3: you can't accept all the praise. You're no. working on your awards
6: speech, are you? Yeah, I really
4: am. I really, really
6: excellent. am. So excellent. So tonight uh, we're going to a few parties and then we're doing karaoke and then we're going to another party. Is that right? Yeah, that's the plan. So what do we think tomorrow's show is going to be I like? I
4: think it is going to be uh, A grade tomorrow. We're going to be uh, bringing it hard.
3: Okay. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Uh, but as our final guest bids us farewell with a tender wave, disappears into the sunset. We're going to do the same to you, listeners. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, thanks to Gamma Sutra for having us and for letting us beat them.
4: Again.
6: Again.
3: And us. we'll see you tomorrow.
4: tomorrow. Bye.
7: Bye. <laughs>